Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. Hi, I am excited to be here with you again this week or weekend or whenever it is that you listen to TrailerCast. Um, This week, I thought it'd be kind of fun to do something a little bit differently. I posted on my Instagram story that cool new little questions thing where you can ask questions and then um, respond. And I put it out there that any question that you have, I'll answer in rapid fire succession. (laughs) Um, It could be anything, something weird, something funny, something about therapy, something about your own life, um, well-being. I don't know. It's something you've heard here, whatever it is. So... I put that up on Wednesday, and I have been gathering the different replies, and I'm going to just kind of randomly go through them today, and uh, let's see what happens. And before we go any further, I also want to say we have two more spots open now for weekends, and I'm going to be answering a little bit more about what weekends are, what happens later in the podcast, but look on my website, www.elisesnipes.com for more information and reviews from the first weekends. I have two spots now open for September and one for November. Would love to see if you're interested in coming. Um, Long short of it is it's everything that I could give you in a year's worth of therapy um, in an intensive weekend retreat in beautiful, wonderful, lovely Dana Point. So Um, Hit me up if you're interested. Would love to host you and give you an opportunity to experience something probably totally outside of your wheelhouse, Um, but I think it'll change your life. So get in touch with me if you would like to claim one of the spots for your very own. Also, I am leaving for Uganda um, August 1st to the 15th. I don't think I'm going to have (laughs) Wi-Fi, so um, I will do my best to post if I can, but I would love for you to follow along in that journey. I'm going to be going with a clean water group. It's called ADA, or One at a Time. You can check them out as well. But 15 days um, in Uganda, and I'm so excited. So August 1st to the 15th, I will be there. And I'll be posting on my personal Instagram, Elise E. Snipes. So I'll tag one of these things on Instagram, and then you can follow me there. Okay, and without further ado, let's dive into some of these questions. So I had 28 different questions and or kind of responses to that Insta story. So I'm just going to go in the order that I received them, and they're kind of all over the map, but hang tight. I think that they're going to be kind of fun and funny, and some of them personal, but I think it'll be... A good way to jam out together this weekend. Okay, number one. My husband recently had an affair. I'm doing good, but I want help. Therapy, question mark, counseling, question mark. The fact that you are doing good is remarkable. I would encourage you to find a support group that is honest and supportive and is going to take you through this for the long haul. I'm not the kind of company that loves misery, if you know what I'm saying. I think a lot of the times when we have been through something painful, shocking, uh, betraying, that we can seek out stories that feel similar to ours. And the beauty of that, obviously, is knowing that we are not alone 
the harm that can come from those groups um, come when bitterness and resentment um, are more primary and we keep ourselves from moving forward because we're more um, just kind of grasping for that misery instead. So I'm just putting that out there as a very kind of honest thing for you to consider is where do you want to be like in one year from now in regards to this affair? Like, how do you want to feel about yourself, your husband, your family? Like, where do you want to be? And then work backwards. So consider how you want to be feeling about yourself, your marriage, your life, and identify if that is going to be found in a book, a one-on-one therapy, therapy, support, but time heals nothing. So I would encourage you to not let, just let this kind of issue sit on the couch, but do something with it. Consider um, how you're going to take it, mine it, make it yours. Okay, number two, what are some ways to deal with anxiety, panic attacks when you can't identify the cause? Okay, that's a great question. Anxiety is so weird, okay? We don't often know the cause because the brain is like it quickly is going to create um, connections, like a neurotransmitter connections and pathways in your brain that basically allow anxiety to continue um, to exist. Um, there's this one movie I'm thinking about in the 90s, but there's those things that lived underground and they would like go shooting through the desert. I swear Kevin Bacon was in this movie. Tremors, something like that. <laughs> but that is what anxiety is like. It's like you think that you're going to be able to escape it, then all of a sudden like it just comes shooting out of nowhere at you. So um, use that as a visual for how terrifying anxiety is. Um, no, but we don't know the cause sometimes of anxiety. So don't get hung up about the why and focus more on your what. So less about why, the, the, about the cause, and think about more what. What are you doing? What are you doing for preventative self-care? What do you do to take care of you? And I don't mean that in like a cheap, like, pat answer kind of way. I mean it like really. Like, what do you do to take care of your deepest self, your soul, your you? How are you fostering growth, healing, wholeness with that part of yourself? Um, sometimes self-care gets a bad rap and people think that self-care equals a massage or a bubble bath and it can mean those things, but yourself is not only your physical body. Yourself is in, includes your mind, your soul, your spirit, like all these different factors of self. Um, so don't miss you in the pursuit of healthiness by only taking care of your physical body. You need to make sure that you're looking at or just caring for the you that might need um, some attention, some comfort, some support, some company, some whatever. Um, so actual ways to deal with anxiety or panic attacks, grounding yourself, um, reorienting to the here and now. You cannot be both in the future and here and now like at the same time. So what I mean by that is anxiety is future oriented. It's like it's a future trip. You are caught up in what's next or what's happening, but you get kind of pulled out of your body and your brain. If you can use the experience of the here and now to ground yourself, you will come back to this present moment and come out of that panic attack and or anxiety. Ways that you can do that, literally to ground yourself, take your shoes off, put your feet on the ground um, and orient yourself. Today is Saturday. It's 11 a.m. I'm in, you know, being a point like go go for it. What is it that's going to help orient you to right now rather than to where your panic attack wants to send you, which is the future. So you can counteract anxiety 
by becoming here and now oriented. You can also, I've done a podcast on this before as well, but using your senses to ground you. So an essential oil, holding, I mean, holding an ice cube, a temperature change, um, texture, a song, anything that's going to help shift your brain from that grooved out pattern of anxiety and panic. You can talk to yourself out loud, just looking absolutely as crazy as you feel. <laughs> so um, you don't need to always know the why. Take care of the what. That's within your power. Okay, number three. What gives you the courage to be so strong in who you are and not let fear or shame stop you? That is a compliment, complimentary question. Okay. Man, um, this is two parts for me, okay? One part is I already feel like pretty exposed. So I think because I feel like there's really like nothing left to hide, the courage comes from just being free free from what other people think of me because I'm not hiding anything. So I think that there's an element of feeling that if I'm willing to put myself out there in whatever like format or place that I'm at, that I'm free to not be in hiding, which makes me feel strong or courageous to not worry about being misunderstood anymore. Um, also, I think about like the shame cycle here. Like if I'm, if I'm caught up in my own shame, um, versus what other people are giving me shame about. Like, I think I, that's how I would split the difference. That when I feel my own shame, I tend to deal with those things, that worthlessness, um, or any of my own, like, echoey darkness. I'll go to therapy. I journal. I use positive affirmations. I seek evidence to see if that stuff is true or if it's just my inner monologue. Um, I have invested in healthy friendships and I engage in opposite action. So if I feel like shame's coming at me, that's mine, then I deal with it. If it is someone else's shame, which is often what this, this might be what you're referring to, is if I step into a controversial space or cause the, like something to stir up in somebody else, I can feel the difference between like my shit and their shit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like um, if I... And I'm not going to take it on. Like, that's the difference now is if it's mine, I'm going to be a responsible adult and go deal with it. And if it's someone else's, I'm not picking it up. I'm just, I'm kind of done taking care of someone else's um, shame because they're not really sure what to do with it. So long short of it, if it belongs to me, I deal with it. If it doesn't, I refuse to pick it up. Number four, do you do virtual distance phone counseling sessions? You betcha. I sure do. Um, I have a full practice right now, but I am working with a close colleague on developing her own virtual practice as well. So if you are looking for a referral for like video and or FaceTime counseling, I have a phenomenal person that I work very closely with um, that I think would be a great resource as well. If you were like, wait, what is virtual counseling? <laughs> or like, what is what? How do you use that and why? And what's happening? What is this question about? Um Going to therapy, there's something in inherently valuable about sitting with a person like in, um, in an office and doing that work. Given today's like technological advances, I am like finding like a new lease on therapy and being able to do therapy through FaceTime or Zoom or whatever type of um, conference call that we want to use. It's greater like exposure to all different types of people and all different types of problems so that you're not really limited. If you're the client, you're not limited in finding a therapist that's only within like your 30 mile distance. Like you might be able to find a therapist 
that specializes in what you're looking for, but they might be on the other side of the country. That's not a problem anymore. So I would encourage you, if you have tried therapy in your area and you're like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, um, see who's doing virtual or long distance counseling. There might be somebody that you would like to work with and distance might not be a problem anymore. Um, number five, what Enneagram number are you? Please do Enneagram podcasts. <laughs> I love this. Okay. I am a number two. And yes, it is in the works to do some Enneagram podcasts. I've reached out to someone that I would absolutely love to host here because she's brilliant in the way that she's conceptualized the Enneagram. Um, if you are wondering what in the heck I'm talking about, Google it. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, Enneagram. This is like no other type of like personality and or relationship test that you've taken. This is not the Myers-Briggs. This is not Strength Finders. Um, this is a really phenomenal way to understand yourself in relationship to yourself and yourself in relationship to others. Um, take the test. It's $12 online. There are free versions. I don't know that I love those as much. Um, but I would encourage you, if you are looking for increased self-awareness or self-understanding, if you feel like you're kind of hit, you hit the same problem all the time in all of your relationships, take this test. Um, read your results. When you're reading them, pay attention to what you agree with, what you disagree with, with what you feel, with what you don't like. Okay. So for example, I've, I've taken this test four times. And I have taken this test four times because when I got the number two, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a, a helper. I didn't want to be number two. I wanted to be um, my second two numbers, which were seven and four. <laughs> so I took the test hoping that I would be able to um, outthink it and be able to have the number that I mo most desire. Um, I have been thwarted every time. I am a tried and true two. The reason I'm saying that is because you might be reading through your number or the different numbers and you might want to reject a part of what you're reading. You might want to reject it because it's true, right? Like there's an element of, I don't like that part about me, therefore I don't want to hold it. I would really like to harness the other um, attributes that I prefer to have. So you should pay attention to your experience and how you engage the Enneagram and not like dismiss what you see right away because there might be something uh, worth mining there, okay? So yes, Enneagram podcasts are in the works. I really would love for every person to take this test. Um, I am also working on developing Enneagram workshops where you would come again, do a retreat, um, either a day or a whole weekend, taking the test, um, doing breakout groups based on your numbers, um, and being led by Enneagram coaches. So if you're like, wait, what? Then please, again, reach out, sign up, because I'd love to be able to um, help people kind of use that as a good tool for themselves. Okay, number six. My husband struggles with understanding my love language and giving me what I need. He wants to learn, though, with, but how without feeling forced? Um, I promised everyone, I did not write this question myself. However, the person who wrote this, I swear, must have been in my house this week. Okay, this is what blows my mind. Love languages are such like an a kind of like an old school topic or concept, but they are still so valuable. Go Google love languages if you're not sure what I'm talking about. Um, Gary Chapman, his idea is that 
There are specific ways in which we give and receive love. And in marriage, it is helpful if we are able to give love to our partner in a way that they pick it up and or receive love in a way that we pick it up. Um, I will maybe do a different episode on that in general, but specifically to your husband, here's what I'm going to say. Everything has a learning curve, okay? So you just need to change the semantics and the language on this. It is not forced. It's learning a new thing. Okay, so it takes practice and awkwardness and two steps forward and one step back. Uh, The point of this is he loves you and he is trying to learn how to love you better. This week, when I was expressing to my husband, we've been married for almost nine years, um, all the different like seasons of our marriage and the ways in which we have like learned how to love each other and how we loved each other as friends and then girlfriend and boyfriend and fiance and then like... um, the first two years without kids and the magic that comes with that. And then as parents and then as working people and um, not wanting to lose the romance, the intimacy, just, I don't know, the, like the new, the unique way that it's just like me and Jesse, like that's what I always want to maintain. I want our kids to see a marriage and passion, not because we say it, but because we like demonstrate it and, and we love each other well in front of them. So that was the topic of conversation in our house this week. And I, my love languages are um, touch and probably words of affirmation because I feel like in quality, I definitely appreciate quality time, but check out those love languages again. I had to explain that I have learned how to love you, which he's like more service oriented. And I want you to take a step towards me by learning how to love me and my love languages and super great conversation to have. And when we are learning those things, I don't care if that is in your phone as a reminder. Like it doesn't matter that my phone says, hey, do this thing because I might need to train my brain to do a new thing while I'm trying to love my person well. That doesn't mean it's forced, right? It just means that I'm getting more creative than my problem to learn how to do what is necessary um, to make my partner feel like I see them, right? So... Long answer, short question. Um, Help break it down into some practical ways. Find out what your love languages are. Make it clear. um, Spell it out. Don't be vague. Be super specific. Let him know what you need and help him out. Like it doesn't. It's not going to feel forced. I'm guessing that he would like to know so that he can do it for you. Okay, number seven. Is your trailer road ready? And do you have plans for traveling as a mobile therapist? So yes, absolutely. I use it right now twice a week down at the beach and I do therapy from there. Um, My dream, like when I was even first considering the trailer and the fact that it was mobile, I would love to be able to respond to crises as they happen. So kind of like a mobile crisis intervention unit. Um, So think like when um, in Vegas, when there was a shooting, like being able to go out there and respond right away, because a lot of the times there isn't just, there's no office space for people to get help. And there's nothing that's private. People are usually put in like big, huge open areas where there's no privacy and then counselors walk around trying to talk to each person. Um, So I would love to be able to be a crisis intervention unit. I also would like to go back um, to my high school and use it as a mobile wellness unit, um, promoting like mental health, healthy relationships, emotional well-being. Um, I'm not joking. I have a different idea for this trailer every day. I was sitting at the beach um, 
this weekend. So on Wednesday night, like after therapy, I just invited some girlfriends to come down and hang out and do like girls night down there. And while we're sitting down there, I'm like, gosh, wouldn't this be so cool if we could um, start promoting like women's wellness with this? Like that this would maybe just be the mobile unit of a brick and mortar um, building that supports and promotes uh, women's wellness. So honestly, you can just ask me this question again next week. I'm going to have something different for you. But yes, it's road ready. Yes, I would like to travel with it as a mobile therapist um, pop up. But ultimately, like I want to be able to normalize um, therapy, normalize mental health. And part of that is like getting it out there in the open where everyone can see it and making it less scary. Okay, number eight, as someone who's never done counseling, what are some tips on finding the right therapist? Um, okay, you've never done therapy. So I, <laughs> I want to know, I would want to know kind of why you're going. And I think if you've never been, you're probably in a great spot because you don't have a lot to compare it to. I think the people that actually have a more difficult time sometimes finding a therapist is the ones who've been in therapy since they're 10. That's me. Okay. Um, because I have a lot to compare it to, right? Like I know, um, that when I've seen other therapists, I'm like, oh, well, she wasn't as good as my last therapist, or I liked when this therapist challenged me, or this therapist was considerate and warm and reminded me of like, like this mom figure in my head. <laughs> so if you've never been to counseling, you're in a great spot. Do not wait until you're desperate for it. Like my like biggest plug I could ever give people that are looking for therapy don't wait until your life is in shambles. The amount of time and damage that's done that it takes for a therapist to put you back together just so we can start the work. And at that point, people usually bail because they're feeling better. Go to therapy as wellness. Go to therapy as wellness, not as the last ditch effort to save your marriage, not as the last ditch effort because now you have panic attacks or now you're like immobilized by depression. Um, go to therapy. It is a good thing. You can, you can just grow there and heal there and be better there and avoid having to need therapy or need medication because you're already having the tips and tools to explore and express yourself um, in safe company. Um, tips. I, um, my biggest like one, two tip is this psychology today, look up therapists and then cross-reference their personal websites. Cause you can kind of get a better vibe for who they are. See if anybody's offering any free consultations or call your the therapist that you think you identify with and ask if they'll do like a five, 10 minute free consultation on the phone um, or through email. Um, therapists, including myself, are notoriously bad at communication. Uh, I, that's embarrassing to say, but I'm just going to own that. Um, we don't call people back super well, which is a dumb, but don't give up. If you have a therapist that you are looking for and you want to work with specifically, call them again and then call them again or email them. Um, it would, it would, yeah, don't give up. Find the right therapist. Um, and you need to pay attention to what sits right with you, not your friend, your mother-in-law, um, or whoever, you know, told you you need to go to therapy. <laughs> um, number nine, how do you find community with like-minded individuals post-evangelical church going? That is a great question. Um, Post-evangelical church going. I like that. Okay, so I would say the way that I find community now is a lot of the community that I had already built had existed outside of the evangelical church to begin with, okay? So if I was looking for like-minded people, they weren't there in the evangelical movement, um, period. So it wasn't 
necessarily a jump to find genuine or rich community outside of the church because it had always existed there. Boom. Number 10, newlywed couple. How do we set boundaries? We have three sets of parents to please. Okay, newlywed couple, um, you don't have any parents to please. You have only yourselves. You are the newlywed couple. They've been married longer than you. They need to give you some space and come alongside and support you. So flip your question around. How can three sets of parents help encourage you, speak life into you, and give you some space to grow your marriage? Um, They need to practice some boundaries. And if they don't have them, then yes, you can set them. Um, we're, we are newly married and we are spending some time to really like just put some time and love in the bank. You will like, you'll like withdraw later (laughs) forever from your marriage. Use this time now to just flood your like marriage bank with as many experiences that are just yours as possible. Um, and set the boundaries now. Don't wait until you have kids or don't wait until like you feel like you're, um, being invaded by three sets of parents. So, um, that's about it for newlywed. Number 11, best advice for a strong marriage. Um, I'm just, I'm not going to speak to this from a, like a psychological perspective, but honestly, just from a personal perspective. Um, when I think about what has helped me most in my, for my marriage is knowing that we are in it together no matter what. So whenever we come to something that we need to like hash out, I don't have that fight or flight syndrome. I have like that sense of, okay, well, it's you and me, babe. So what do we need to do to understand this so that we can work through it and get to the other side? Like, I I think that there's some fear that can happen in a marriage. Like, it's like, oh God, is this it? Oh oh my gosh. Like, is this going to be the thing that takes us out or destroys us or, or, or whatever? And when fear starts to get into communication, it disables it from moving forward. So If I was going to tell somebody something in regards to having a strong marriage, you need to hold the idea of marriage being a forever thing in everything that you're doing. So in your communication, um, in how you spend time together, um, in your sex life, and in everything, you need to know that you have forever to work on it. You have forever to grow towards each other. You have your whole lives to do the thing. You don't need to have the best marriage on the block your first year being married. So it's forever. So take your time, decide on the things that you want, move towards it, but give yourself some space to just enjoy being married. Okay, 12. Can you talk about guilt? How do you get over guilt that doesn't seem healthy or true? I can talk about guilt. Um, I... (laughs) Um... uh, yeah, I might not even be the best person to talk about guilt, honestly, especially in regards to the part that if it doesn't seem healthy or true, then I give it a giant middle finger. I am, I'm not kidding. I refuse, refuse to be like strung along by lines of guilt or obligation or that, that sick pit of your stomach feeling of shoulds and shoulds and shoulds. I just think that's total BS. So, um, if you're like, okay, well, that sounds great in like theory or whatever. If you feel like you're going to say yes to something out of guilt, then you need to say no. That's all. That's like the best way I can tell you. If you feel guilt over things that are not healthy or not true, then stop doing that. Like don't, don't do that to yourself. Do not do things, um, or commit to people or events or whatever it is that you're feeling guilty about, 
that you need to clear up that attachment that you have to that person. Okay, so if you think of like, I don't know if this is a person or a situation um, or, or a job or whatever, but I want you to think about you being tied to that other thing. Like, what is the tether? And if you think about that tether being guilt, you need to clip it and consider the new way that you want to have an attachment to that thing. Okay, so I'm going to say that again. When you're talk, asking me to talk about guilt, the answer is no. Um, you don't get, you don't, you cannot ever live out of guilt as a way to stay healthy, especially if you already know that it's not true. So clip it and think about how you want to be connected to that thing instead. In freedom, with some boundaries, with some clarity, with some strength. Um, it sounds like you're probably also talking about individuation and being able to know who you are, regardless of what the feedback you're getting or the guilt that's being thrown your direction. Um, so own the piece of earth that you stand on. Um, you get to determine the rules of your life. And most of the time we feel guilty when we are playing with someone else's rules. So it does not feel good. So rewrite them. Uh, 13. Can couples move on past mistrust? What does it require? Um, yes, absolutely. Or therapy would like cease to be like in existence, right? Like, um, yes, absolutely. Can you move on past mistrust? Does everybody? No. It is hard freaking work. Um, my guess is if you're writing in, you're talking about like a capital M mistrust, like a big thing that happened. Because I think that there's like lots of little ways that trust gets chipped down in a marriage um, or relationship or, or whatever type of couple you're involved in. But you have to know that yes is the answer. Are you guys willing to do the work? What does it require? Someone to, to mediate for you. If it's a if it's a doozy, you know, if it's like a, a real big thing that's happened, you want someone else to walk you through it because you're probably going to be in too much pain and they're probably going to be in too much shame. I would look for a therapist or a solid couple that you know, someone who can help mediate this. If it's a doozy, seek professional help. If it's something a little bit more like we're just trying to learn how to be married well, uh, seek a couple that can mentor you. 14. Do you have tattoos? <laughs> what is the meaning behind your first one and would you get it again? Yes, I have tattoos. I have three tattoos. Um, my first tattoo was a tattoo on my ring finger and it says love. And that was for me a like a promise ring um, of my commitment to God. But like genuinely like a commit and also to this day a commitment to love being the foundation of everything that I am and about so I knew that my wedding ring would one day like cover that, but I wanted like the, like the love of my relationship with God to be the thing that was the foundation for that anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm looking at it right now, still there, still like it. I also have on my left rib cage, I have um, my anniversary date. And then on my right rib cage, I have a glyph for each kiddo. So Isaac, Judah, and Eden, I have um, content, express, and delight. And I would get these tattoos again. And I am thinking about another one and <laughs> trying to decide if I can commit to having more visible tattoos or not. If I'm too old for that. And if it's even, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. So ask me again later. Um, okay, 15. Is extreme emotional verbal abuse a valid reason to end a marriage? I hope everybody listening is shaking their heads in their car or at their house or whatever being like, yeah, I don't even know why you're, I don't think that you need to ask this question twice. 
Um, abuse is abuse. Um, you don't need, if you're questioning your validity, then that person's already kind of got into your head, right? Is extreme emotional and verbal abuse a valid reason to end a marriage? Um, that person already ended it. I, I might get some flack for saying that, but I'm just going to say this. The person who walks out of the marriage gets all this shit. The person who was being abusive the entire time, they already violated your marriage vows. So it is not you who would be ending a marital relationship. That person is by injuring you, by extremely emotionally and verbally abusing you. Reframe that question again. That's what I'm going to say. The other thing is abuse only escalates. You did not get together with this person in this state. They didn't start out being emotionally and verbally abusive or you would not be with them. That's not how these things go. They escalate. It is subtle. Um, it is seductive. It happens and then it gets better and then there's this honeymoon time and then it happens again and we think it'll never happen again and blah, 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 blah. Um, do not think that these things end. It, abuse does not shift or get better like that, especially if it is already extreme. It is only a matter of time before um, that abuse becomes physical. Sorry, I feel a lot of emotion towards that, but I feel um, super strongly about that. I've seen um, men and women over the years who have been in verbally and emotionally, psychologically abusive relationships and have all felt like they were not justified in walking away because they didn't... Um, he never hit me. Um, she didn't cheat on me. Um, that is like cultural, um, information that's swirling around the church in regards to what justifies, um, divorce. Um, you need to find a, a counselor or someone who's going to walk you through that with some like actual biblical based information, not like the swill that people just like throw at each other to keep you in an abusive marriage. Um, marriage should not and does not include emotional or verbal abuse, period. 16. What do you want to do with your one wild and precious life? <laughs> um, Mary Oliver, I would like to... I want to live it fully, wildly, messily. I want to say yes to all the things. I want to swim in the ocean every day. I want to make my kids laugh. Um, I want to have... I want to do. I want to travel a lot. I want to write a book, many books. Um, I want my house to be like a like an open door policy where everyone's welcome all the time. I want my life to have meaning um, where people can look at it and say things get better um, and beauty comes from ashes. I want to do with my one mile and precious life. I want to set others free with the freedom I found. I want to speak truth. I want to make my own stage and stand on it. <laughs> but I want it to be both those things, wild and precious. 18. Are you working on any special projects you can tell us about? <laughs> yes, my super secret, high-profile life. <laughs> um, okay, special projects. Um, and I'm going to say it out loud because I probably need some accountability. I am working on writing the, a book about the story of my life told through specific stories and then the practical like takeaway or lesson that I receive from it. Um, a lot of the times when I have 
um, spoken from stage or given like parts of the snippets of my life, people are like, well, how did you get out of that? Or how did you live past that? Or how did you get to where you are now? So I kind of feel like it's a field guide to my life, like a how to um, move on from like an abusive childhood, um, depression, anxiety, just the thoughts that um, come along with that and how to kind of reclaim a healthy mind. So a special project, that's like a super sacred project for me, is I am wanting to learn how to tell stories of my life that incriminate other people, but doing so in a way that's still like honorable and dignifying without clipping my story because I'm afraid of how others are going to feel about it, but then also doing like doing my own work so that I'm not telling about it from a place of like extreme bitterness. So yeah, that's one of my special projects. Um, I'm also preparing for the Rise Together conference um, with Rachel and Dave Hollis at the Hollis Co. That's going to be in Austin. Um, it's a couples conference, and I think it's going to be banging. Um, you can check out their website, um, Hollis Co., as well to see more information about that um, or just Google Rachel Hollis. You'll find all the things about what she's doing. Um, and so I will be there um, sharing and helping them to kind of curate that conference. Um, other special projects. Um, I think that's probably it for now. Okay, 19. Are you going to have more kids? <laughs> um, Isaac, my firstborn, asked me that this week, and we said no, and he said, how do you know? And I said, you can talk to your dad. Okay. <laughs> so we're not going to have more biological kids. When I go to Uganda next week, I would like to bring children home. Um, we have talked about adoption for a long time. Um, if we have more kids, they will not be our own. Number 20, any advice on raising kids close in age? Um, yep, a signature cocktail. Okay, just kidding. Um, nope, that was my first book I was going to write, was a cocktail to be paired with your child's behavior. I am I'm not kidding you. I actually had the format on my computer. Um, so like when you're sleep training or when your kids won't sleep, I was going to have like an espresso martini, right? So I just had thought of all these really funny things because I was clearly losing my mind and needed to grip on reality. And that book felt like just the best way. <laughs> so um, raising kids close in age, our first two boys are 15 months apart. And it was radical to begin with. And I think now it is lovely because they really are, um, they're just, they're right there, they're neck and neck with each other. And it's helpful because they're playing to the same stage. Um, I think my advice on that would be let them each forge their own way forward. Um, trying not to lump them together. They will have inherent competition. Um, even if they're even if they're different genders, I think that they'll they'll compete. So allow them to be identified for their individual traits rather than the fact that everyone's going to assume that they're twins. So hold on to yourself. Um, that's probably a, a message to all parents. Um, raising kids is, I want to swear, it fucking hard. <laughs> it is so hard. So hold on to yourself. Hold on to your marriage. Your children need you to be healthy and they need a healthy marriage um, to rest on. So my advice for raising, raising any kids is take care of you and your marriage. Um, 21. You have mentioned leaving church. What do you guys do now? Good question. Okay. If you are also just kind of joining into this podcast, um, my husband and I left church about a year ago now and by leaving church, we left a church. We did not leave like church as we, as we used to know it. 
And we are also like still people like who like profess to believe in God and found, I'll speak for myself, I have found a greater release to experience my faith outside the church than I have in years. I feel more in touch with like my spirituality, um, feel more opportunities to express it. Um, have found like just a wonderful freedom in being like excused from the obligations or the rut of what was happening at the church that we were at. Not all churches in America or the world, but where we were, it was like just over for us. Um, sidebar, what do we do now? Um, a couple things. We had to sit down and decide, like, what is church? What is God? What is faith? What does it mean to be a Christian? What is that? What is that? And what is the most, what are the important things that we can give to our kids? And how do we want to do that? So we have been focusing on our family this year and giving them experiences of faith rather than words. Children learn by doing um, they are full of lessons all day long, right? Like they don't, they don't need another lecture. They don't need that. If you can give them an experience, they're going to remember it because they encountered something rather than you just telling them about it. So, um, probably another special project down the line is like how to like raise a family in faith. That's like post in a post church world. Um, what do we do now? We have a lot of intentional community. We have some phenomenal relationships. We get together um, with them and consider topics of faith. I listen to podcasts. Um, depends on how you connect to God, honestly. I I like to live it out. I don't know. I really like to, I, I genuinely, like, I want to do it. I don't want to just talk about it. I'm so over it just being a club that you, like, are a part of without actually having to have any fruit, you know? So I'm going to Uganda in two weeks. That's a that's part of like living out my faith, um, my job. I want to be a good family so that other people can see that like God makes a difference in people's lives. Um, what do we specifically do now? We're having fun. We go to the beach a lot. I feel like we host. We joke that we go to the Church of Doheny. Um, I think that we're just trying to find our way and like find like the original wild freedom that drew us to God in the first place. And if we could just like have that, you know, then I think that we'd be doing pretty well. 22. Do you still struggle with anxiety, depression? Yes. Yes. Even this week. Um, when I first started TrailerCast, I feel like I had an idea that I would be able to like stay on one side of the line and reach a hand back and like pull people forward. And I think that maybe there's moments where that happens, but then a lot of moments where I'm just still writing from my pain or writing from my anxiety or writing from my depression. Um, I very much still struggle with these things. I, I hope that you don't hear that as like hopelessness, right? Like I think that there's so many things, some big things that I feel freed from that feel finalized. And then there's just still some ongoing work that happens with, um, if, Okay, I think about it like this. I feel like if I'm up to bat and a pitch is coming towards me, I need to decide whether to swing or not, okay? So I feel like if I'm going to be thrown some anxiety, I need to decide if I'm going to let that ball pass, which I should, or if I'm going to sit there and struggle to try and make it my pitch. So when anxiety comes my direction, the first thing I do is I say, does this belong to me? When anxiety and or depression, when those feelings come my direction, when they're being thrown my way, is that my pitch? Are those my feelings? 
sometimes being like an empath, sometimes those feelings don't belong to me. Sometimes they belong to my family. Sometimes they belong to my two-year-old. Um, sometimes they belong to my clients. Um, sometimes they're for a friend. I, I don't know. Sometimes they're a person in the supermarket. I can feel what is going on. And if I mistake them as my feelings, like that's going to be a pretty arduous process of release. But if I can understand that, oh, yeah, that's not, that doesn't belong to me, then I'm able to kind of figure out what I need to do next. The other thing and my favorite mantra, I am not my feelings. I am not my feelings. If I feel anxiety, I am not anxious. Like I don't have to be overcome with that label because it'll just kind of sink me. Also, I am not my feelings. So even if I have a feeling of depression, that doesn't mean that I then write myself a prescription to go lay on the couch and like die for that week. So when I still struggle with these things, now I feel like I'm a little bit quicker to recognize what's coming my way. And then because I've also spent years investing on the tools of what to do with it, I get into action right away rather than just waiting for it to kind of like slowly sink its talons into me and like pull me under. How dramatic was that? Okay. <laughs> um, number 23. Why did you want to be a therapist? Okay, two things. One... I feel and felt that my experiences in therapy formed me to want to be able to offer that back to the world. I had positive and negative experiences in therapy, but I just genuinely wanted to, to like make a safe place for people to come to receive hope and tools and connection that could make their life better. That's why I wanted to be a therapist. I wanted to lighten other people's loads. 24, the hardest part of being a therapist. Gosh, not having a magic wand. <laughs> I would, I want to fix it all right away and make it forever gone. Um, and I would be totally robbing each person of their own strength and power if I did that. But I do, I still do wish my heart of hearts. There are times where I wish I just had a wand that I could just like make that better or make that thing go away or that thing not happened. Um, so I guess that sounds like my limitedness um, to deal with the problem of pain is the hardest part of being a therapist. 25. What is your favorite signature scent? <laughs> um, I, don't even know, I don't even know how to answer that. Okay. Um, things I like to smell include anthropology candles um, so if I'm thinking like a scent like that, like externally, I like anthropology candles. Um, as far as essential oils go, I like frankincense. If I'm going to wear it, I kind of like vanilla stuff. Um, 26, what happens at weekends? Man, I probably should have led with that question. Okay. What happens at weekends? Oh my gosh. Your whole life is going to happen at weekends. You get there on Friday, um, I experientially guide you through the process of everything again that I would love to give you in a year's worth of therapy. So what that means is the first day um, we spend on understanding and initiating and inviting all the different parts of us. So we do some historical work to look at the different experiences that we have been through, how those have formed us, how those have developed our thought patterns and processes. Um, what blind spots we may have because they're like, you know, we're in it. It's hard to see it sometimes. Um, so the first day is, is reflection. And um, it involves sometimes like just me sitting there teaching, talking about it and then asking questions and then group work and then individual um, assignments and then coming back together and processing that. 
um, delicious food, <laughs> a beautiful view. Um, the next day, and we are also, I also include like some progressive uh, relaxation and meditation on, during this time. Um, the second day, we look at a process of like conversion. So kind of taking stock the first day and then converting some of the beliefs that we have, the thoughts that we have um, into something that's going to allow us to move forward in a way that is super whole, healthy, and like limitless. That might sound super Eckhart Tolle, but ultimately um, we can be like prisoner to things that we don't realize because when we keep all those thoughts within us, we don't realize that they are untrue sometimes that we speak them out loud. And then someone's like, what? That's crazy. And you're like, wait, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not serving you. Um, the second day we do a, like a meditative walk where we actually are walking through some timeline work. Um, so it's, it, the second day is a little bit more physical. And then we do a couple activities as well. So it kind of just depends on what I'm trying to like get to you, like lead you to that day. So it's a variety of like teaching, experiencing, processing, writing. Um, and then the third day um, is really trying to get into action. So it's activation, um, making practical steps towards the change that we're looking for. So one of my big pet peeves sometimes with therapy when I hear like what people are doing is that they're not doing anything practical. Like it's just all intellectual like challenge that's happening, but there's no practical ways to change your life. Um, so the third day is stock full of, well, what are we going to do? Like now that we've seen these things, now that we've changed or, or converted or challenged these things, well, now what? So the third day really focuses on allowing that change to become idealized in your life. Um, weekends, please come. I am going to be releasing a different set of weekends for 2019. Um, but for the rest of 2018, I have two spots left in September, one spot in November. I would love you to come. If you need a nudge, reach out, ask, ask me, um, read the reviews online. I, I, this is bizarre and weird for me to be plugging something I'm putting on, but, um, I, I made, I made it um, because it's something that I genuinely believe is going to produce like a change that you've been looking for that might take a long time to get otherwise. So yeah, weekends. 27. How do I make mom friends? Question mark. Okay. Mom world. Love it or leave it, right? Okay. Just kidding. Um, okay. Be yourself. Um, stop contorting any part of you to form any type of group that you want to be a part of. Um, it'll just get tired and old. You just need to find the tribe that suits you. Um, and don't mom alone. It is a very hard job. And if you are the primary person at home, the other person will not understand it. So um, we've had seasons in my own um, partnership where I was at home primarily and then where my husband was at home primarily that was one of the biggest gifts to our marriage because the amount of respect I think we gained for each other in realizing the difficulty of both, um, both, both realms. So with your making mom friends, you can look at a mops group. I think those are a really great place to start. Um, moms meetup groups on Facebook or Instagram. Um, you have to be willing to be vulnerable and put yourself out there. If you don't see it happening, then you need to set the table, like invite people to your place or to the park um, when I hear a lot of like, I do, I hear it a lot, like people griping about like, 
oh, moms, like, they, they, they don't talk about anything important, or they just talk about, like, is your baby napping, and they're, like, all judgy. And I'm like, well, then change the conversation. Like, if, if you don't want to talk about diaper sizes, then don't. Ask them something relevant, or start a book club where you can have, like, a, a formatted way to engage in intellectual conversation. Um, if you don't like what you're hearing, change the conversation. If you don't like the group of women that you're getting to know, think it's no other women. Invite them over to your place. Um, I am a stickler for pulling ourselves out and giving on like creating like the, I don't know, reality relationships or things that we would like to have. So if you don't have it, start it and invite me. (laughs) Um, last question, number 28, what is one goal that you have for this year? Okay. I'm going to interpret that as like a goal for the rest of 2018, Jeez. Okay. 2018. Mm, maybe be done with my, the first draft of my book. I feel like that's like in considering the fact that it's only an outline form, <laughs> the idea of having a first draft feels lofty, but I feel like if I don't set something, I'm not going to move anywhere. So, um, I really would like to publish this story and I would like to be able to use the lessons that I've learned to help other people like learn things themselves. And ultimately like I have a story to tell and I want to tell it and I want to continue to find freedom and truth by sharing it. So that's my goal for this year. Okay guys, that was that was fun. That was a fun episode for me. I am definitely going to do that again. So if you're listening and you're like, wait, how do I ask Lisa a question? Follow me on Instagram, TrailerCast, or my personal Instagram, Elise E. Snipes, and think of your question for, for next time. Obviously, there's a wide range, so think about what you might want to ask and DM me, and I will add you to the podcast. Okay, um, I hope that you have a blessed week. I hope that you find yourselves engaging in more thoughtful conversation. I hope you think about the different parts of yourself and what you need this week. I hope that you are always moving towards wholeness and freedom and inclusion of yourself and others. I hope you take yourself up on something wild this week, even if it's new food or new places or new friends. And I just hope that you have the most beautiful week. Thanks for listening. To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, Email me at elise at trailercast.com, E-L-Y-S-E at trailercast.com. You can also see more on the TrailerCast website or follow me on Instagram at TrailerCast, where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends. 